Welcome to Breaking Free Authentically, the podcast where we explore what redefining relationships looks like through a sex-positive lens. Let's kick shame and guilt to the curb and really start living a sexy, authentic life. I'm passionate about normalizing out-of-the-box ways of designing relationships. There's nothing quite like finding your tribe and experiencing the freedom of being completely yourself without judgment. I'm your host, Kareen Bedard, your sex-positive relationship designer, and I'm here to guide you in creating the relationship you desire, whether that is a more open one or simply a more empowered one. Join me every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time to enjoy the newest episode. Well, welcome back to Breaking Free Authentically. This is episode 68, and today this is part two of my little mini-series, Is Polygamy Allowed in the Bible? With former pastor Raymond Harris, This week we are getting into kind of how a lot of this deconstruction has affected his life and the decisions that he is making now going forward. Is it polygamy or polyamory? We talk about polyamory in this episode a lot more and just the design of polyamory and the conscious choices that come with creating an ethically non-monogamous life in relation to like scripture in his, in his way of looking at life. He still uses scripture. He still uses the Bible and likes to look at what it is saying in the context of the text without the dogma of the religious teaching on top of that. So it's kind of a fascinating conversation, and I hope that you enjoy it like I did. So these two episodes are fairly long, but I think anybody who has struggled with conforming to their faith, who have been highly religious or fundamentalist growing up, had very specific teaching This is an episode, well, this is a mini-series that is so helpful for that. It really helps you to unpack some of that and give yourself permission to question things, gives yourself permission to look at things in a different way and, and just check your programming. What's your subconscious programming and how is it running the show? So I really encourage you to Listen with open ears, I guess, open eyes, open ears, either one, and just be prepared to challenge your thinking a little bit. And maybe some of you will also feel like you're not alone because this process, trust me, is one of the most difficult things to go through, but it is so rewarding And we do talk about sort of this light at the end of the tunnel and the freedom that comes when you really investigate your beliefs and your programming and make conscious choices. So enjoy this episode. And here's part two of Is Polygamy Allowed in the Bible? If you haven't listened to part one yet, I encourage you to go back and listen to part one first because this will make more sense 
and I think you'll just enjoy it more if you've heard both parts. So when we come back, we'll get right into it. Please visit our website at www.breakingfreeauthentically.com and subscribe to our mailing list so you never miss an episode. Be sure to leave a review on Podchaser by clicking the link at the top of the page. That would mean the world to me. Finally, I'd love for you to join Breaking Free Authentically, our private sex-positive relationship community on Facebook. All the links will be posted in the show notes. Enjoy the show. Do you feel like you've been sold a fairy tale when it comes to sex and love? Why isn't it working? Why am I not fulfilled or satisfied? Why do I have a deep longing for more? Maybe you've had some of these thoughts. Did you know it's not your fault? That's right. You've been brainwashed since childhood with disempowering beliefs about sex and relationships. This is known as the mono mindset. If you're tired of feeling stuck, you're ready for Breaking Free from Conformity, the eight-week program where you will learn how the mono mindset has set you up for failure in relationships, why you think of sex as wrong or taboo, why you judge yourself. You will finally learn how to have empowered relationships with confidence and success. Many of my clients have said, Kareen, I didn't know I had choices. I thought I needed a partner to feel complete. I thought I was supposed to suppress my desires to have a successful relationship. What if you could learn to love yourself and your desires without guilt? Well, you can. With Breaking Free from Conformity, the eight-week program, shifting the subconscious programming that is keeping you stuck. It's not your fault. You weren't given a choice. It's time to break free and start living your life. To register, go to offers.kareenbedard.com forward slash BFFC for breaking free from conformity. I can't wait for you to find ultimate freedom and create an empowered relationship for yourself. Welcome back to part two of is polygamy allowed in the Bible? So here's part two of the interview. I went back just a little bit from last week's episode just to give you a little context before we get into the conversation about polyamory a little bit more and choices. Here we go. If all you have is expectations of what relationships should look like, and you don't have any of your own worldview laid out, what design do you want and what is allowed and what can I pick and choose from? This is why I like, am I, I even allowed? Myself, yeah, this is why I call myself a relationship designer because it's like we get to like pick and choose what works for us, pick the color palette that works for us. So like maybe you want to be a swinger, maybe you want to be polyamorous. They're very different things, very oh, different, yeah. right? Uh-huh. They don't, They don't even have the same quote-unquote rules or etiquettes like it's completely different but people who are swingers will say they're poly or you know people who are open will say oh i'm poly well you do you don't understand that necessarily because polyamory involves like a a connection with someone Uh where there's love involved what i love about poly and and what i aspire to with poly is i don't have to limit my connection with someone and take it to the degree of what flows naturally. Right. I don't have to go and define it and be like, oh, well, now we're like partners. And so we have to see each other like once a week and we get it. It's like, I'm happy to just let it flow how it can be. And I'm also 
I get to say, okay, so I have a primary partner and that takes up a lot of time because I am an entrepreneur. That takes up a lot of time. I have a child that still lives at home. My partner has his own children. There's limited time. And we also have our own lives and and friends and activities that we want to do. So like, I don't have the time or the freedom to go and spend a ton of time with another partner. Okay. So so can I jump in here real quick? Sure. Because what you're talking about is volitional decisions Mm -hmm. and knowing yourself. Mm -hmm. So when you're sitting here knowing yourself and that you want to spend part of your life doing this, part of your life doing the other thing, part of your life doing this, you have to make informed decisions, which means that you are aware that your time for certain things changes. Mm -hmm. So when I'm talking about myself, I am a completely different style of guy. I'm the one who stays home. Mm-hmm. I am the one who takes care of the domestic side of the situation. We do share tasks, roles. Sometimes she picks up where I slack off. Sometimes I'm just like, I don't feel like cooking tonight. Will you help me? You know, that kind of thing. But I'm the one who primarily makes the decisions about dinners and laundry and cleanliness and things of that nature, right? Mm-hmm. And so that doesn't effeminize my situation. It just means I'm the one managing the house. It's a role you chose. Yes, because of what I want to facilitate in my relationship, Mm -hmm. not only with my lady, but the ladies I want. Mm -hmm. So these are things that I have to present to them Mm -hmm. and help them understand and paint this picture. Mm -hmm. So if this is what they conceptualize, as a possible relationship, then they can pursue the examination of that and then they can make the choice. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And that, and that's, I think a lot of people approach things with a scarcity mindset. And so that's where we feel like you're, we're forcing a situation because somehow we have taken that programming that says your relationship determines your worth. Yes. Now I never looked at it that way. Okay. I'm a weird, I'm a weird guy. I think it's more, I think it's often more women who look at it that way because like our sexuality, like I I've talked about this. I, I have a speech that I do and it's like, I, my sexuality didn't belong to me ever. Okay. I can. Ever. Okay. You, you want to know something? I agree with what you're saying, because as a guy, I am watching how my lady has developed. Mm-hmm. Okay. And one of the things I've told her is me as a guy, I never walked around going, oh my God, I want to fuck women. So therefore I feel shame. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. And so it, for, yeah. for men, it's always been like, well, I mean, if you even look at the old Testament, let's go there. King Solomon, 300 wives and 700 concubines. Like there is absolutely zero shame in him having many women. Correct. But the concubine could not get married and have a life and have children because now, she was I, used. Now I'm, I'm in a, a general agreement with that because the, the culture of the time did see certain things in a very specific way. And some of that holds over here into what we call modernity. But at the end of the day, I cannot place it that always happened in that way, because there are instances like Rahab 
where she is known. She was well known, which means she had some independence that other women didn't have, but she paid the price for it because of what she chose to do. Yet when the Israelites go in to where she lives, she's like, yo, guys, I know why you're here. I'll help you. But the cost to me is you save me and my family. And they're like, I have no problems making a contract with a harlot or a whore or the town slut. If you'll help me, I'll help you. Right. Well, there's a benefit, right? Yeah. It's a reciprocity. Yeah. It's a give and take. And the thing is, like, she was honored for her helping them. She was never honored for her slutness. Correct. So, like, if it's just historically, women have carried this subconscious programming that I need to save myself for marriage because at the end of the day, my body actually doesn't belong to me. That's why I'm not allowed to masturbate. That's why I'm not allowed to pleasure myself because my body doesn't belong to me. It belongs to my husband. I need to save myself for my husband. This was very deeply ingrained in me. And as I've unpacked that and as I've helped so many people break free from that and become sex positive, what what we unlock is this, this level of like the weight that is put on the shame associated with sex to a woman. And it's intergenerational. Like it is generation to generation to generation. Even if you don't believe it to be true, there is deep rooted unconscious shame for a woman to have desires for another man. I was always afraid that I would end up having an affair because I connected so easily with people. And I always had guy friends. I loved my guy friends. And I had, I was a sexual person and I was always afraid that I would, I was hundred percent committed. I was married 23 years. I continued to live with him for 26 while we were separated, still separate. If you tell me because I'm non-monogamous that it's, I don't value commitment, you are absolutely hundred percent wrong. Yeah, because they misunderstand the concept. They completely misunderstand. But I had to deny a huge part of who I am to my core and cut that, shut that down in order to live the design that was presented to me as correct. Okay, so can I jump in? Mm -hmm. The issue that I try to help people with is to have the thought structure, which permits them to have what the scripture would call a clean conscience. Mm -hmm. And I know it doesn't necessarily say clean conscience, but you do. I think it's over in Hebrews talks about the washing of the water of the word and for the cleansing or the conscience. I forget which passage it is, but the concept is God does permit you to have a reorganization of your thoughts. The nice thing about the way that the divine works is a deliberate movement forward. And in that, you're never given more than what you can handle at that very moment, which is nice. That's also a pain in the butt. Because if I didn't know back in 2011 that I was going to be working with strippers and stuff like this, I would have just kicked it out the door and all this kind of stuff. But back then, it was presented to me in what I understood. And it was still so much of a stretch of my understanding that I'm glad I wasn't told. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And this and, is this goes off into meditations and prayers and dreams and all kinds of stuff that we don't have time to talk about. Mm-hmm. But going back to your concept of shaming, I am not certain 
why women feel it and men don't. And I'm not certain because that, men were well, honored for, for that. Like it, even in high school, like a guy who has slept with many women is like, yeah, he's he's a jock, he's a hero. But the same girl who he sleeps with is a is a slut. But see, I grew up in the house where he was not praised for his behavior. He was denigrated. The guy who sleeps and screws around with a bunch of women was just as equal in shameful behavior as the way they labeled the woman. Well, so in, I was a, in the church, that's more the thinking now. But his story, But that was my family. Okay. But my family okay. too. My family but all sexuality was shamed in in general unless you were married. That I mean that's just that's just see, what it came down to. But culturally well for most Christians I'm going to say most evangelical Christians are still sexuality is just there's a hard line that sex is only okay if you're married. I'm and, in agreement with that concept. Yeah. And we've translated that to equal men as well. But the general like historical view of men The societal view is way different. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, is that men had permission to do that and women didn't. Like look at um Bridgerton. Did you ever watch that series? No, I have not. So Bridgerton, like, you know, if someone hasn't seen it, spoiler alert alert here, but like the brother, so the the head of the home, the father of this family is no longer. And so he is functionally the head of the home, the oldest brother. The oldest brother's girlfriend is a whore. Okay. He visits her on a regular basis. And it's kind of known. It's swept under the rug. But he's not marrying a good girl because he's got this woman on the side and he's not being told he has to marry someone. Now, in the same household, the oldest daughter has just come of age and she has to go out into society because now she needs to find a husband. Okay. Because she can't take care of herself. Women have to have a husband to take care of them in that culture, right? So she goes and presents herself. And, you know, is out in society and is an available young lady. Well, she ends up having this attraction to someone and they kind of have this little flirting thing going on or whatever. And they're kind of put together in situations as a as a rouse, a ruse, mm-hmm. a rouse. anyways, <clears throat> with some agreement or whatever. But they end up falling in love with each other. Okay. okay? And in the garden, they have words and and they can't have what they want exactly. They can't Mm -hmm. really be together because he's promised that he will never get married and have children because his Mm -hmm. dad was a complete asshole, narcissist, violent man. And he made this this promise that he would never get married and and fall in love, you know. And so he's really caught between a a rock and a hard place because he's supposed to be finding a wife and they love each other. Anyways, they end up kissing and it's kind of like the farewell and it's just the passion bills. They end up kissing. Right. Well, the the brother, I think, sees them kissing in the garden. And now she's not marryable anymore. Yes. Like, this is yeah, a terrible thing. I'm just thing. following the narrative of the show. Yeah. Right? And so, but this this is this is the thing. It's like her brother, the one who saw them 
is literally dating the 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 whore. Right. Yet now his sister has to marry him or she is vile and she will never be able to marry anyone because she they kissed. Right. They kissed. And so this deep subconscious program double standard yeah it 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 doesn't just go away even if you're at a society like now it's like you don't have to get married to live together anymore if you have a child out of wedlock it's not that big a deal but there's still slut shaming going on because it's so ingrained in the language in the thought process and even if people don't necessarily agree with it it's still there and women still have this shame around it and men have so much less. Can I share something with you? Yeah, yeah. I, I understand where you're coming from, even though I'm not a woman, and I'll explain why. Why you're not a woman or why you... <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's good. Um, but I'll explain why I understand what you're saying. Because I was trained up in uh, upright sexual behavior, mm-hmm. in the sense of this is what the family does, this is what the family expects... This is how you conduct yourself. This is how family defined it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm not putting it out there on the culture or anything like that. I'm just mm-hmm. saying I come from a family that has very specific views. Mm-hmm. So if I don't live up to those views, they do slut shaming of me. Oh, okay? 100%. And I, you're just, okay, I'm going to get pejorative. You're in it just for the pussy and you know it. And if you just admit it, at least then you'd be honest. And I'm just like, dude, if that was in it for the pussy, I could fuck anything at any goddamn time. Do you realize how easy it is for me to go get pussy? You know, that kind of stuff. And I'm not trying to be disparaging. I'm just saying hookup culture is easy. It is. Right? It is. Okay. But if you want a commitment culture, you're talking about a much different mindset. Yeah. And I'm not, you and I are similar yet different. So I'm not making any type of passive or aggressive assessment. Mm -hmm. I'm just giving you my, my situation. Right. And and let me also say that I am in no way saying that men don't have shame when it comes to their sexuality, because a hundred percent they do. Yeah. Culturally. Depending on the male, it can be really bad. Yeah. 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 hundred percent. And so I do, I find a lot of men, there's like to be a good husband, to be a faithful man, to be someone who is, is respectful and go and husband material. They need to be faithful to their wife. That, that has, that has also strongly been imposed on the culture as well. So it's not like men are just allowed to go, but at a deep rooted, it's more okay for men than it is for women in general. You add religion to things, it's shameful. All sex is shameful. Any thought, if you have lusted in your mind, it's as bad as as having an affair in the Bible, right? Like, so to Christian men, Christian boys and teenagers, they grow up with this, like, if they have a lustful thought, they're sinners, they shut that shit down if they are going to survive. You know, being the good Christian man who is, you know, able to to lead a a household or whatever. And then you get things like you're shutting that down. Now it is not permissible. And what do we do when something is off limits? Don't push the red button. Yeah, All we think about is the fucking red button, right? 
Right. So either you shut it down completely so you have no desire anymore, which was a very big reality in my marriage. I chose a man who was like godly and didn't get, uh, didn't stumble when he saw like the Calvin Klein bra ad outside. Right. But that Mm -hmm. didn't just turn on overnight when we got married. So it has its other repercussions of like, it affects your sexuality in so many ways. And men struggle with shame and guilt just as much as women, just in a different way. They put different judgments on themselves. And it's not as much your self-worth or your, it's a little bit different. It's the right and wrong and and being the right thing. Women, it it is a piece of our identity, what makes us clean or unclean, right? Like it's, 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 it's wrapped up into that level as well as all the shameful conditioning, right? Yeah. And so for, so I'm I'm trying to interrupt just to do one thing right here, right now. Yeah, yeah. And that, you're talking about your internal struggle point to understand yeah. things. Mm-hmm. That's how hard it was for me mm-hmm. because I wasn't aiming to be a non-slut male. That's not, I mean, I'm being a little bit yeah. playful with my delivery there, but that's not what I'm getting at. What I was getting at when I talked about first Timothy three, mm-hmm. I really wanted to lead, be a good leader in the church. And then as I matured up and I grew and then my understanding and all this kind of stuff, well, things changed. But coming into the poly life, I've had to endure similar emotional heavy weight, like what you're talking about. Yeah. And I'll tell you something that's tough for me. You have a sisterhood you can talk to because they have similar experiences. You know how many men get to support me? Very few. So I'm walking a path that I really can't, I don't have a, I can't talk with it with my dad. I don't have family to talk to. I don't have anybody in the church to talk to. I don't really have anyone in society to talk to. So I had to sit down and really develop my spiritual life. Mm. And in that, that's where I found my saving grace. Mm. And that's really where I found the benefit of having a connection with the divine to lead me through my hell. Mm. So I'm not trying to downplay what you're talking about. Mm. I'm just trying to say that in a very unique way, I can identify with the struggle point because I've had to walk very similar to that line and it hurts a lot. It does. At the end of the day, one of the reasons why I'm passionate about what I do is because men and women equally are struggling to be themselves and to live authentically because there's no room for it. It is very hard to stand up and create your own path because there's not support. There's not, there's a lot of judgment. People don't understand. They're, they're filled with misconceptions about non-monogamy and, and they think it's like full of the patriarchy. And it's like, no, if you really understood it, it's about equality. It's, it's actually quite beautiful. It's not about, Men having multiple wives, that's one piece, that's one structure, but that's not what polyamory is about. If that's how you choose, that's your choice, but that's not what it's promoting. And if you're in polyamory because you want to have multiple wives or multiple women and they have to be true to you and you don't want to share them, well, that's not ethical. That's not good polyamory in my book. That is just being like an Old Testament kind of it's just a different model. It's not necessarily ethical, but when you have 
when you have agreements and in you both get to do what it is that's true to you and you decide it, th- those women that you choose might be in agreement that they don't want any other partners. That's right. got to be their choice. That's not, that's not you to say, oh, well, you can't, if you're with me, I, you can't be with anybody else. It, there has to be like a the, like true non-monogamy, ethical non-monogamy is about equity. It's about wanting what's best for each other and allowing each other to experience life in the most wholesome way for yourself that that brings something to you. And it's okay. not one-sided. Well, can I can I add something mm-hmm. uh, regarding the view the, of men? I think what we're getting at in the discussion, is that you're you're investigating yourself, learning your boundaries, learning your limitations, yeah. learning your desires, that kind of thing. So one of the things I had to understand about myself was my own limitations regarding sexuality. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't make me restricted, but it does make me restricted in the sense of I can't, I just genuinely cannot express myself the way some other people do so i'm not judging them as doing things wrong in and of itself i'm sitting here from my perspective going i just know me put it into a a sports metaphor i'm five nine at best i cannot play first base on the yankees team i can't reach high enough to get the ball that's thrown to me to get the runner out at first base so can I even try out for the Yankees? No. Can I try out for minor leagues? Not really. I'm better off to be a car jockey driving NASCAR because I got a medium frame and I can drive 180 to 200 miles an hour. Does that make sense? Yeah. So just because I can't play first base doesn't mean I get mad about the guy who can. Right. Right. But I have to know myself and where would my desire for sports be best implemented. But I'm actually too big to be a horse jockey because these guys are petite fellows because you and I both, uh, I'm assuming here, know the difference between uh, weight and uh, horsepower ratio. And you need a small jockey on that thing to get that horse around the track. Right. The issue then is what we're really seeming to be discussing is the journey to discover yourself within yourself mm-hmm. and that you're permitted to discover that self. And then Without you're permitted shame to be- and judgment and guilt. Right. If you want to choose a certain dynamic, you get to choose that authentically and you get to have done the work to figure out what it is about that that you want, what it is that you can and can't do realistically. And then Mm -hmm. you get to set your own parameters and then you get to seek people that agree with those parameters. Correct. You don't, you don't get to like say, well, this is the right way to do it. And so you have to do this. If you want a closed triad, for instance, Mm -hmm. where you don't have sex with other people outside of that triad, that's totally acceptable. But you have to be super clear that that is the dynamic that you are looking for. And if someone else wants that same dynamic, you're going to draw on the people that also want that dynamic. And what I don't like is there's a lot of people in the poly world that say there's only one way to do poly. You have to do it this way or it's not right. And that's bullshit because that's just another box. 
I, I'm in I'm in agreement. And what you're talking about is the need for potential partners to sit down and have a mutual discussion in a candid and forthright way of what they're looking for. But people, I don't want to be pejorative with this because I don't think people do this intentionally, but it's an ends justifies the means process that if we sleep together and we, we enjoy that moment, then you're, I'm going to agree with you or you're going to agree with me and we're going to make it move forward. And so in, in an old phrase, it's putting the cart before the horse. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I am not going to sit there and tell you people that they cannot have casual sex and i'm not going to sit there and tell them that sex is sacred to the point that they can't have casual sex but i think that what's important is i think what i'm understanding from you is that the dialogue about it is what we consider sacred yeah in the sense of how are we communicating and how are we understanding each other and from that, we facilitate our moment. And this is, look, a lot of people don't think about this as polyrelational, but yet here I am with you and you with me. Mm-hmm. And we sat down beforehand and we talked about how we, we were going to conduct this, mm-hmm. what was needed to facilitate this moment. And yet there's an emotional connection, mm-hmm. an intellectual connection. But this is so commonplace that people don't consider it equatable to sexuality but yet it is parallel does that make sense yeah a hundred percent and i agree with you and i think like to me it's really sad there there is this and i i want to shift this this paradigm mm-hmm. that polyamory people judge swingers and swingers right. judge polyamorous and it's like listen you don't have to agree because me as a person I might be able to be down to fuck and I might be able to turn that side of me on, but I promise you that that is not the majority of the time I could give two rats asses. (laughs) If I play at the club and connect with someone sexually, I just really like having connections and hanging out with people that are like me who don't judge me for being me. And I can just express myself. But it is weird, right? Because you can go to the club and you can talk with people in a free form way. That you thought you could do with the ecclesiastical structure. No. And you can't. No. Because there's something about the barrier. And I'm not going to get into the psychology of it because that's a whole different topic. But I think it has a lot to do with expectations. But yet, even in the club, you're finding that people have closed off thoughts. Mm -hmm. And and I didn't expect that, but I found that as well. And again, there's that judgment. Uh So swingers like the extreme swingers if we're gonna like are like the one night stand swingers and they don't want to make any kind of connection with someone they just want to go sleep with someone have some novelty and bring excitement to their relationships and that's it they're so 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 scared of connection right then you've got the spectrum so i always teach it as a spectrum and then you move along the spectrum and like some swingers are like they just want the one or two couples that they just connect with and they get together and they vacation together and they sleep together and they just have fun. And it's just like this one, but there's not love. It's not a, a committed relationship to those people. You're just all yes. enjoying each other. And it's then almost you like keep, best keep friends going. With benefits yeah, coming. yeah, exactly. Friends with and you keep going on that spectrum to the very extreme polyamory where it's like solo poly. And I don't, mm-hmm. connect, I don't, atta- you know, I don't, 
attached to anyone sexually. Nobody can tell me what to do. I don't want to share my relationships with my partner. Some don't even need to know. And then there's some polyamorous that want kitchen table and they want to have all the connections together and Mm -hmm. just live in this uh, community together. What I'm saying is that when you design your home, there's no right and wrong. There's different designs and you're going to, you're not going to judge someone for having modern decor or classic decor. But yet we do. Well, I'm talking we as humanity. Oh yeah. Because at the end of the day, the sizable portion of the world doesn't realize that they can even design their house or their family or anything like that. So they'll read magazines or whatever, and they get these concepts, but they're not. And and here's where I'm trying to go back to our yeah. the concept of our discussion, which is they are immersed in the thought of doing the creation and why they're doing what they're doing. What I'm catching from this is that it's this conscious work and progress of knowing yourself, mm. why you're making your decisions, why you're going to go right versus left or up versus down or diagonal path, whatever it might be. I'm just trying to use analogies here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think you and I are in agreement with that. The issue is how do you help people navigate out of their wherever? And that's where I rely on my divine connection. Just bring me the people you want me working with. (laughs) That's how I'm handling it. (laughs) Does that make sense? Yeah. And for me, it's that as well. And that's why I have the program, the eight-week program that I have. And it's called Breaking Free from Conformity. And it takes a look at unpacking all of that at the subconscious level, like what we've been programmed so that you can just be aware of it. So you can go, oh, I didn't even realize that this was running the show. I didn't even realize that this belief was causing me to think that this was shameful. Oh, if you separate it from that story, that's not shameful at all. Why would it be shameful? But connected to this, you can see why, oh, now I've, that's why I felt shame. So we, at a subconscious level through hypnotherapy as well, we like shift that programming. So we learn what we've been programmed with. We unlearn it. And then we relearn the programming that suits you because you get to know who you are at such a deep level as subconscious with no apology. We kick fucking shame and guilt to the curb so that you can actually be yourself and authentic and live your truth without apology. And you can go and I can now say, oh, well, you might want to play with you might see me as like I'm a swinger. I'm non-monogamous. So I'm like fair game and I will want to sleep with everyone. Well, that is not the case. I'm still choosy. I also know what I want and I'm allowed to stand up for that. And like I said before, if I can't have an intelligent conversation with you and if I can't feel comfortable to cuddle with you, I'm not going to sleep with you. It doesn't matter how handsome you are. It doesn't matter what kind of dick you have. Right. It's not going to happen because for me, that's what I value in life. And I have no shame saying that anymore, even though people are like, oh, you're so like prude and you don't want to have sex very often. Why are you even in the lifestyle? Why? Because I love the people and I love being here and I love this vibe and I love going and playing with my partner because it's really fun and sexy. And sometimes I love to have sex with other people that I connect with and I've made out with for weeks because I really like kissing people that are good kissers. So for me, 
That is so much fun. I'm not lacking anything by not having sex. Sex does not determine. But but when I first started, it was very different. I wanted to have a lot of new experiences. I was a virgin when I got married. I had no experiences. So over time, that's changed. And you get to decide when sex is sacred and when it's not. I always say it's like two circles. Sex and love are two separate circles. And you can intertwine them as much as you want. But one doesn't define the other. Sex is sex. You can combine it with love and make it this incredible loving act and connected and, and, and sacred if you want. Or you can just have sex as if you're playing a game of tennis. It can be like that. But if you haven't unprogrammed your mind, if you still are attached to the idea that sex is sacred and you have to have it with only one person, and if you have sex, you are now connected to them, well, I can guarantee that you're not going to be able to have sex for fun. You're going to be, quote unquote, giving a piece of yourself away. You are disempowering yourself because you don't have an empowered mindset about that. Even though I I have looked at uh, poly as being sacred, the way I'm thinking it here myself, it wasn't until very recently that I was confronted with the idea that sexuality is not what's sacred. It's the bonding that creates the moment Mm -hmm. in the sense of, look, I'm going to be really just bathroom here trying to make a point. No one ever looks at taking a shit as being sacred. But there are blessings on the Jewish side of the house that basically go, thank you for giving me a healthy colon to let me take a shit. Without that blessing, I wouldn't be able to take a shit. Thank you for letting me take a shit. Thank you, God. Okay. (laughs) Why would you do that? Because you're sitting there going, this is a healthy thing. It's a natural thing. But you're you're overemphasizing the blessing factor. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so you go in there. Now I'm unclean. How do I take a shit and give a blessing? You see, these are the things that we create within ourselves because we don't realize that we're creating this uh, theological tension. Like uh, my girl and I, we've been together for 30 years and more. Sometimes it's a it's a dirty fuck. And other times it's just like, yes, I love you, sweetheart. You're the best thing. Right. And it's just. Okay, well, where's the sacredness in it? And then, and then the issue is, I hope she'll appreciate this being said like this. When I fuck her like the whore she is, it's as sacred as when I treat her like the virgin she is. Does that make sense? Yeah, because it's how you define it. And it, if you've removed the shame about fucking her like a slut, it doesn't hold any any weight. You're free. No shame. Of- Right. You're, it, it's, yeah. To me, shame is everything. If you can get rid of shame, you can build anything you want. You can be whoever you want to be. But the second you have shame behind something, it's not going to it work ha- for you. It does hinder you. It now, does. Now, the interesting thing is Romans 14 is talking about one person reads the scripture and says, I can't eat this. And another person reads the scripture and says, I can't eat whatever. Mm-hmm. And Paul does this very theological reasoning, but he argues down there at the body says, he who cannot do it without faith to him, it is sin. You're, it's the shame factor. Yeah. Okay. So he is addressing the same concept, but in 2000 year old terminology to a Roman congregation, which we have no understanding of. Right. The reality is, is that I love the walk that I have gained. Because now when I read Paul, I'm like, 
oh, dude, this motherfucker was on the spot. How did I ever miss this? And it's because I was taught to view him ecclesiastically mm-hmm. instead of a man who was developing his spiritual growth, trying to reason from what he understood to provide clarity to those he was helping. Mm-hmm. So that really changed my perspective of his writings, like maybe in Galatians or Ephesians or to Timothy or to Titus, because I'm a very scripturalist guy. I really do not put priority on the church traditions, nor the church fathers, because I see how they have not facilitated the movement forward in history as they thought they were going to. So I am not going to go, yes, the Apostle Creed must be. But those who do it, I'm like, dude, that's your thing. And that's where you are. May the Father bless you and everything that you do. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm going to say because I'm I'm not wanting to be the thorn in their side or the spike. It all that- comes down to shame, authenticity, and being genuine. If you cannot break free of the programming that sexuality for you is shameful, then you're not gonna, in good conscience, be able to act out your fantasies. And so, no, you shouldn't do that because then you're just rebelling and you're not doing it authentically. So that's what you're getting at is the fact that you get to choose what it is that you want, but at the end of the day, you have to be authentic to yourself. And if casual sex is not your thing and it never will be, then don't try to do it. Correct. Don't try to justify it to yourself. That's not your camp. That's not where you're going to be. So don't go and try to live there. Just like if you're not wired to be monogamous, don't try to put your tent up there. It's not going to work out for you very well. You're going to probably keep having affairs or keep doing these things. And then you're going to shame yourself and judge yourself for that. But really, it's a deeper thing than that. It's, It's the fact that you desire connections with people, but you've somehow shamed that because you can't let go of the programming. Let's free yourself of this programming so that you can build what it is that you want in an authentic way, an authentic version of you that doesn't go against your ethics, that doesn't, you Mm -hmm. can hang on to whatever you would like to hang on to, but you're hanging on to it consciously at this point. Yes. And so you and I are working on very similar territory. Mm-hmm. It's just that you approach it from a different perspective than I do. Mm-hmm. And I approach it from a very logical, very INTJ way mm-hmm. where the answer to consciousness is having a clear answer as to why. Mm-hmm. And there are very specific people who need that. Mm-hmm. And they usually have been trained up within religion or Christianity. And I have a lady who is uh, within my immediate sphere. And she was like, God, I need help. And then (laughs) one day I saw her walking across the parking lot and I first saw her. I'm like, hell to the fuck. No, I do not want to ever talk to this chick because from the outside, she is everything I don't want to talk to. And then I am very much depending on meditation and the leading. And it was... (laughs) It was, sometimes it feels like I'm talking to myself, so it, I, I may not refer to it properly, but the attitude was like, shut the fuck up. You're going to walk over there. You're going to talk to her. You're going to introduce yourself to her. And I'm like, why? He goes, I don't give a fuck what you think. Do what I'm telling you to do. So I walk over there not knowing anything that's what's going on. I don't know how to interpret the situation. 
I don't even tell her I'm sent there because I'm got this meditative. It takes several instances of us talking together. And, you know, we've been talking, I don't know, two or three months at this point. But one of the last times we were together, I, I said, yeah, we know where our line is. But we didn't know that at the beginning. We are not interested in each other sexually. And I know that. And you know that. We've both been candid about this. But you are a person who, and I told it to her, I said, you didn't even realize you could have a healthy platonic relationship with a man. And she goes, how the hell did you know that? And I said, let's just chalk it up to the spirit. (laughs) So am I facilitating her mental, emotional, and sexual health? Yes. Are she and I in the bedroom together? Not physically, but emotionally, we're touching the topics. We're discussing the matters of the heart, how God looks at these things or doesn't look at these things. And I can see how she's navigated her personal life where she has tried things afresh. And she'll go, I tried this the other night and I, and I you know, I didn't make it to, to where I thought I needed to be. And I'm like, but you started it. You began the process. How long ago was it that you quit? Oh, you know, it's been so long. I don't remember type thing. Right. And I said, but look at what has happened simply because we are talking and being open and encouraging each other. I said, so you had success and that's positive. Yeah. And this is helping her self image, helping her self confidence. She's relearning herself in so many different ways. And she's younger than me, but um, she's close to my age. Okay, I'm 50. So while I'm getting that is that you and I are doing similar things. But our approach is very unique Mm -hmm. to the person where they are, what they're looking for. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I would say it's very bespoke, like my my services are not laid out as as well as some people would like, but that's because I can intuitively assess when I'm talking with someone, what it is that they actually need and where they're at. And I love the freedom to be able to meet people where they're at. So I don't know if you, I don't know if you, we are so out of time, but we're going to have to make this a two-parter or maybe even a three-parter. We'll see. But, um, this has been a really great conversation. And I think like really valuable for people who are in the faith and, still hold it, but have doubts and don't know how to navigate that. I think this has been such an important conversation for that because you can still honor yourself. You still can honor your, your beliefs or your traditions. Like you still use the Bible. You haven't rejected it. You've found a way to still use it. I don't work like that Uh, to me. The only way I could step away was for me to not see it. Step away. The truth. Yeah, I had to because I was so, I couldn't rationalize that at all. Um, Okay. But it's not triggering me anymore. Pardon? Can I jump in here with your thought real quick? Sure. Because over in Romans chapter two, Paul talks about how the name of God is blasphemed because of the name, the behavior of the believers. Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't remember how it's exactly stated, but that's the concept. And so what you did is when you were navigating from it, you had to throw out everything because there's such 
an emotional attachment yeah. to it that if you don't let go of it, you're feeling like you got the albatross around your neck, so to speak. It was an all okay. or nothing situation for me, right? Right. So I am I am I'm situationally capable of going, you don't actually have to feel like you're failing your commitment to God and ask the life pondering questions that affect you in a very profound way. But for some reason, people feel like they can't do that. For me in order, because I was so personally connected to Jesus and, and God, right. like it was such a personal relationship to me that the only way that I could really investigate was to completely step out of the box. Right. And I went to the other spectrum. I went atheist um, mm -hmm. because I didn't know that I know that I know that God right. existed. And I almost had to try that on for size. It's like, what does life look like if that isn't true? If there is no proof that God exists, how could I manage that? And I remember being so triggered with the idea of God or the universe or higher power, because I just brought all that stuff. And it's like, there was such a fight in me. It's like, I have to believe all of it or none of it. And then I was like, wait a second, I don't want to be a dogmatic atheist. Because atheism right. is not a belief system. It's just non-belief. It's just Which is itself a belief system. It's not belief according to scriptural belief, but it's right. A belief. But it, if I don't believe in Santa Claus, it's like the onus is on Santa Claus to prove himself to be true, or I don't have to believe him. That seems ridiculous. So that was kind of the the analogy for me right. at that point. But then I was surrounded by spiritual people and you know woo woo people, and I was like. No, no, no. But then I was like, wait a second. I always said that I would be open to exploring anything and evaluating anything because that's how I deconverted as I was willing to observe and ask questions and to look right. and see if, if things held up. And I'm of the opinion now that I don't have to know in order for something to be good for me. And this is where our personality traits are different. Mm -hmm. Because me being INTJ, I have to know. That's because it's my personality. Mm -hmm. So I might set for a day or a year or a decade before I understand. Mm -hmm. and, but then when I understand, here's this crazy thing that I have the beauty of being able to do. Answer questions. Now, I am not saying you are incorrect, because according to what Peter teaches, he says, have an answer for the hope that is within you. Mm -hmm. And that's what you have. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, but and me, I'm OK now not having an answer necessarily, yes, because like, for instance, if I can ground my energy and uh -huh. like ground it to the earth or whatever, I don't need to think that there's a higher power that's doing that for me. I'm allowed to just do that. And it feels good on my body. I feel ground. I feel really good. I don't have to understand. Correct. Why but or, and that's okay. But your, for articul me. your articulation of this is what Peter would refer to as your ability to reason why you have the hope. Yeah. Okay. And this is why you have this capacity. And that is good. It has its place and it does encourage people. And I'm the, I'm the kind of guy who it, Paul's been admonishing, you need to rightly divide the word of truth mm -hmm. because I am in a position where I'm sharing the word of truth with people and I have to be able to help them understand history, 
linguistics, mm -hmm. transmission of the text, when this occurred, when that occurred. So I can facilitate the discussion of why I am drawing a conclusion at variance than the church tradition. Well, and, and this is hard. It's important because there's some people that will never, will never reject the word of God, quote unquote. Correct. Right. Like, and, and there has to be people that do have an interest in doing that. I don't because mm -hmm. it's not, Correct. it's, it's not something I'm passionate about. I'm quite happy to just be like, that was oh, then sure. and now, and now is now. And I, I don't need to, I don't miss it, but I have zero qualms with the way that you do things. That's great. I don't need to do that. And I'm okay with that. And I have no shame about it, but I have shame about it. I have to like evaluate that. And, and, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I but totally I don't. Yeah. Also, I did think of the name of that book. Yes. It's called Unprotected Texts. Unprotected Texts. Yes. Nice. And it is the Bible's surprising contradictions about sex and desire. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because I'm kind of doing some of that myself. Yeah. Because I'm looking at the Old Testament just going, okay, what was actually told is a boundary, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and there's so few boundaries that it becomes mind-boggling. And then you're like, oh, wow. I guess if, you know, here, here's the hard part, and I'm just making this off the cuff here. God does not write in the text. I'm using this as if, if you're a scriptural believer that God wrote the thing, okay? Mm -hmm. God does not say, thou shalt not have sex with a harlot. It's not to be found. Mm -hmm. If it was there, at least then you could go, I told you it was in the Bible. Yeah, <laughs> but since it's not there, then you have to go, well then, can I? And then, and why? Then and, you go through what this else supports whole this? Process. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyways, yeah. I'm just gonna tell you who it's from, and then I do have to go because I have to jump on a yeah. call soon. Okay, sorry about all um, this. No, no, it's okay. This is good. This I think this is a worthy discussion, and I actually might put this as like a separate episode that okay. people can listen to and really unpack this that want that, you know, because I think okay. it's really important for for people. That, that are quote unquote stuck in the faith and don't even know where to start to unpack some right. things or to question things. And I think what we've done is given them permission to authentically do that and not just be a fucking rebel and not just so let be... me drop one other passage on you. <laughs> Jesus is comes to this scribe and, he, and Jesus says to the lawyer, what is in the text and how do you read it? Mm. Jesus had no problem asking the personal interpretation. Jesus had a problem when the guy had an asshole response. Mm. But the initiation of the discussion is you have you're in the text. So what is in the text and how do you read it? And then the scribe goes, uh, blah, 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 blah. Right. And I'm just doing that to refer to the there's more to the passage. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. But the initiation of it is what do you see? What do you understand? Mm -hmm. And I think the unfortunate thing is, is the church does not permit the congregants to have an understanding independent of the structure itself. And that's yet, yet we claim that the Holy Spirit is going to make it clear to us. Right. But then we have to agree on the same interpretation. Yes. And if and if that person over there does not agree and that person over there does not agree and the person above or below does not you're agree, then you're wrong. You're wrong. You're out. You don't have the Holy Spirit. Were you even ever yeah. saved? Yeah. It's and really. How dare you. Yeah. Yeah. 
And you're going to cause others to stumble and you're going to be. Yes. Did I tell you the name of of the author? Unprotected Text. By Jennifer Nust. Jennifer Wright Nust. K-N-U-S-T. So maybe I will put a link to that in the show notes. Also, Raymond, if people wanted to get a hold of you, is there a way to get a hold of you? I am not found on social media. I gave up my website long ago. Okay. But you can find me at the link I gave you for uh, Facebook. Okay. So if people want to talk to you, I will put that link in the show notes if that's okay. Yeah. And then they can send me a private message or something. Yeah. That sounds good. Okay. Because um, yep. just like sometimes, you know, this spurs on different thoughts. And and uh-huh. I know that when I was deconverting, my ex-husband was very intellectual and very logical. And without that, I would have been lost. You know, like I, I needed to kind of understand some like basic like- right diagnostic skills um yeah it's, it's to be able to ask to the right things. questions it is otherwise you're just gonna believe whatever you know you're right. taught and i am easily influenced by what other people say and I, it's like extra for me to filter it through like what is my intuition what is how do i how do i feel about that is there like does it ring true for me too and to allow myself the permission to do that was a huge piece yeah, of my authenticity that I had buried, right? Especially permitting yourself to be uniquely different than what yeah. people define as Christian. Yeah. I mean, and I was not really allowed to have thing. a different answer to my mom. I wasn't allowed to Correct. have different thoughts. So it's a yeah. it's a real journey. It's a real mind fuck. And yes, it is. all I'm saying is, you know, if you're listening to this episode and you've stuck with us to this point... <laughs> Um, thank you for one, but secondly, reach out because I do understand what this process is like. It's hugely devastating before it's freeing. Yes. In many cases, you Uh feel like you're losing everything. The truth will set you free, but it's hell first. It is. I And I describe it as being on a table with four legs, but one of the legs is knocked off. And if you stand in the wrong place, you might fall over it gets right. so disorienting because yes. you don't have to believe anymore and you just you got to yep. keep asking the questions and it's discouraging and it's depressing and it's filled with anxiety and there's tears and frustration and that's the side people don't talk about but and you hang feel in there. like you're losing your sanity but hang in there because yeah. there is light at the end of the tunnel and And that's why I've designed my program the way I have, because it's such a beautiful, seamless process that really does the, the, the unprogramming at a subconscious level in such a beautiful way that you can start that process. When you're done with that, you can start to really evaluate other things and use the same process. And it's so much easier than where I was. I didn't have these tools. I didn't have this model. And and yet had you not gone through it, you can't do it. Yeah. So everybody's journey is necessary for them where they're going. Yeah. So anyways, my goal is to help shortcut some of that struggle and, um, you know, just some of the hardships. And sometimes you can't, you can't keep the struggle away for, from everybody, but if you truly want to be free and you truly want to know who you are and have the confidence and, and feel empowered enough to live your truth without being afraid of showing up in your truth, then. And into the scriptural yeah. mindset to the believer, feeling like you've compromised your values. Yeah. Like yeah. you've compromised your integrity that you've now condemned your soul. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you see, and and, that and is, there are so many people that that don't want to compromise their right. their faith, and so I think this is such a valuable conversation because I did go to the opposite spectrum and then came back a little bit, but like our two places where we've landed spiritually or religiously, if you will, is very different places. However, the basics of how we process information is largely the same now. Yes. Your, yours is much more of a, you're, you're picking apart the text and things like that, which is great. I'm picking apart like psychology and how, how it affects your body inside and, and how our beliefs affect our Things. So for me, it's it's a more psychological process rather than an intellectual process. But the two are very important to me. And that's yeah, why. Yeah, and I don't deny the psychology whatsoever right. because I know it's there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's just that the journey to get to where I am was 100% intellectually driven yeah. to get the answer. And then from there, I started having experiences that helped the process. Mm-hmm. But the intellect that is purely rational, denies Mm -hmm. so the informed intellect has to appreciate the unseen and that there is evidence and leadings and manifestations even if you your intellect your rationality is going oh no and you have to just work through it and this is no different than how other people work through their difficulties but to the uber rationalist, I'm telling you, the it's, non-rational is a kick in the freaking pants. It's hard. Yeah. So hard. It, and it's like it's like dealing with trauma, you know, like deep yeah. trauma that you've had because it's so deeply ingrained. It's like uh-huh. your whole identity is wrapped around that in so many ways. Yep. And so to step out of it means possibly losing your whole identity that in your mind, that's how it feels like I'm going to lose everything of who I am. I don't even know who I am anymore. And you know, anyways, we could go on forever. Yeah. But you and I are in agreement. The process is, yeah, is scary. And the reality is, is that some people are willing to navigate forward Mm -hmm. if they have someone who will show them the way. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why we take point. And let's also mention how that light at the end of the tunnel feels when you get there. Like it's so worth the journey. It's even if all it does is help set up, settle your mind and your conscience, because some people will chase the understanding and then choose, okay, I get it, but that's not for me. Mm -hmm. And you have every right to to do that. You're right. And that itself is valuable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's just so many different applications. It's crazy. Oh, I know. I know. But essentially, it's all about breaking free. Sometimes we don't even need know that we need to break free because I didn't know I needed to break free, but I did. And I love being free. But you know what? I haven't lost who I am. I actually am a better right. person now than I was. And I'm kinder and I'm more loving and more gracious. Yeah. Which, which doesn't make any sense according to what I was taught. Correct. So I love the person that I am now. I'm much more genuine and loving and kind and authentic. And I wouldn't trade that for the world, even though it has compromised my relationship with my parents. And I, oh, it so did many mine people, too. yeah, it's just, it's hard because they don't understand and they don't Correct. have a framework for anything different. And, and you can't, you cannot compel them or force them or can. control them because if you do that, then you're doing to them what they're doing to you. Yep. And love yep. doesn't do that. I know. 
it, it's a it's yeah. it's a tricky thing. But at the end of the day, I get to recognize that my beliefs, what I how I live my life and how others view me living my life. Mm-hmm how others see me isn't doesn't determine who I am. It doesn't determine my sure. worth. And so when you can whether they're like correct shift, or not, it yeah, you can not shift that programming and you can yeah. be empowered in like the choices that you make because you know that not everybody's gonna agree with you. And if you can stand sure. strong in your own decision, that's why it's so important to evaluate and to unpack things. Cause you mm-hmm. have to know for you what stands true for you and you have to live that truth. Otherwise you're being dishonest to yourself. And in a scriptural terms, at least as a theology, you're going to have to give an answer to God for your decisions. Mm -hmm. So if you have the ability to have what the legal world calls a sound mind, Mm -hmm. so you can make your will and Testament, then when the probate reads it, they understand you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, goodness. Like I said, it can go all kinds of crazy directions. I know. But uh, I well, don't know thanks. how long we've been here, but oh, it's, it's like long. probably two and a half hours, I think. So, well, we've been on since 1030. So there was a few okay. glitches in there, here and there. But yeah. Anyways, I really have enjoyed this and thank you for um stepping up and and allowing me to speak with you i know at first you were like why would you want to talk to me it's like because you're actually interesting and i've read your stuff and i'm like i think we could have a really interesting conversation and i value your point of view and i think that my audience would really gain some um just benefit from listening to this conversation because I know there are a lot of people that, that used to be religious or that are struggling in that place. They want to be different. They want to do something different, but they don't even know where to start because it's so scary to step out of that box because if you're not hundred percent sure, like you don't want to take the risk. Well, let's assume you're on a cruise ship. (laughs) Are you really prepared to go put yourself in a lifeboat just because the cruise ship is sailing somewhere? You, you think the lifeboat, We'll get you somewhere, but I need to cruise over here. And you got me halfway there. I'm not getting off a cruise ship. Mm -hmm. No, that thing will survive a storm better than a little dinghy sitting out there as a lifeboat. Yeah. I have support from a community right now. If I step outside of that, I don't even know what community exists. I don't know where I'm going to fit. I don't know how. And when I tell you what, putting myself in that little lifeboat really developed my faith. Mm -hmm. Trust. Maybe it's not a complete analogy, but it works for me at the moment. (laughs) Well, I got off that ship and I sailed for a while, not seeing anything. But then I found another ship that Mm -hmm. was even more loving and more welcoming. And uh, yeah, it was more fun. (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, as I always say, when it comes to sex positivity, authenticity is the key. So don't forget that. Have a great week. and. Thank you for sticking with us and listening to this conversation. Thanks for being here, Raymond. Thank you for having me. Well, there you have it. Part two. Is polygamy allowed in the Bible? And what was the conclusion? Yes, it is allowed in the Bible. In fact, it was very common. Polygamy was a very common practice in the Bible. And we talked a lot about polyamory and how that looks. There's a difference, right, between the two. I hope that you enjoy just kind of that unpacking of 
our beliefs and our conscious choices and the way to design our relationships that are authentic and true to ourselves and that everybody in the relationship gets to make choices. It's not just about accepting and sacrificing and compromising. There is some of that in relationships, but if that's your whole relationship, then maybe you need to rethink what your structure is. Maybe you need to rethink how you want to design your relationship and how it's working for you. So thank you for listening. Next episode is episode 69. So I need your help because we are bringing back a very exciting guest, Topher Lynn from the Canadian Elephants episode, the creator of the game Sip Strip Smooch. He was a lot of fun. He's absolutely hilarious. So I want you to help me make this episode even more fun. I want you to email me, DM me, however you want to message me. I want your questions. I want you to ask me anything. Have you had any burning questions that you wanted to know about the podcast, about me, maybe about my personal life? We'll see. Uh, anything for Tover Lynn? Please send those questions in. We are going to kind of review up until now kind of what this podcast has brought to the table and share some fun moments of the year and just generally have a good time, have a little bit maybe naughty fun. I don't know. We're, we're, we may be recording this episode naked. You never know. You never know what's going to happen in the world of Kareen. So be ready for that. That's going to come out in January. I think I said second week in January. So stay tuned for that. But I need your questions. Send me your questions. If you're not part of the Facebook group, join the Facebook group. There is a post there about asking your questions. You can email me, whatever. Float your boat. But I want those questions, Okay. I hope that you have an amazing week. Remember that I am starting new cohorts in January for breaking free from conformity. I have a couple's one started. Uh, I've got some available for singles as well. And I'm just going to be putting together cohorts that fit the group and to make sure that everybody's comfortable and it's a good fit for everyone. So I'm so excited. Don't miss out on that. There is very exciting things happening. So I hope that you have an amazing holiday season and that you get to spend time with family and friends and enjoy some time off perhaps. But just have an amazing time. Be authentic and genuine and loving and kind and ethical. As I always say, when it comes to sex positivity, authenticity is the key. I love you all. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Have an amazing couple weeks. Mwah! Thanks for listening. 
Be sure to follow me on Instagram at Corrine Bedard Coaching, and you can visit my website at CorrineBedard.com. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to give it a like and share it with your friends. I'd be so grateful if you could help by giving us a five-star review on Podchaser or iTunes. Don't forget to subscribe to our mailing list to be kept up to date about upcoming episodes and exciting news. Just visit our website at breakingfreeauthentically.com and scroll down to subscribe. You can also email me anytime. I'd love to hear from you. Send your messages and questions to kareen at kareenbedard.com. Are you a part of my Facebook community yet? Join us in Breaking Free Authentically. It's where you will find this sex-positive relationship community. I'd be thrilled to have you be a part of this community with me. All the links will be in the show notes, so don't forget to check it out. Remember, when it comes to sex positivity, authenticity is the key. Have a great week.